This conference will now be recorded. Hello and welcome to the GRN webinar. Today we'll be talking about how to reach diverse graduates. First of all, a quick introduction for those who uh, don't know me. Uh, my name's Dan Hawes. I'm the GRB co-founder. Uh, GRB stands for Graduate Recruitment Bureau. Um, we're the go-to platform for high-caliber university students, graduates, and recruiters. Uh, established back in 1997 by two graduates, uh, we have 40 staff uh, based in our Brighton office, which is where I'm coming to you uh, today. And we actually uh, supply over 1,800 clients, uh, all sectors, uh, companies you will have heard of, like Post Office, uh, IBM, Unilever, and Ocado, to name but a few high-profile companies but also several uh, fast-growing SMEs that go under the radar with a lot of graduates. Uh, so extremely broad range uh, of recruiters right across the UK. Uh, our recruitment experts uh, have successfully matched over 8,000 graduates uh, with full-time graduate level jobs. Um, and right now we're experiencing huge demand as you'd expect uh, from graduates. So we're very busy uh, at the moment. So, uh, we have uh, a number of new members along for today's seminar. Uh, so, I'll briefly introduce and give you some background uh, to GRN, or Graduate Recruiters Network. Now, this was set up uh, by GRB back in January 2009, so quite a while ago, initially just for our clients um, to come together and network and, and discuss things, uh, but also we extended it to friends uh, other organizations such as universities that we work with. Uh, the idea is to generally bring together uh, HR advisors, HR business partners, recruitment directors and talent leads to discuss current topics uh, presented by a mix of relevant and influential, influential speakers of which we've had many over the years Some very interesting topics uh, have been covered. And the idea is that uh, unlike other groups, uh, the members uh, share their best practice in a, in a confidential environment, uh, ultimately to enhance their learning and help them to become greater, better graduate recruiters. Now, at the moment, we have around 2,875 members. Uh, we've recruited 500 new members in the last four months. So we're delighted to have so many new uh, members along today. Uh, some of them are FTSE 100, big graduate recruiters, but also some of these fast-growing SME recruiters I mentioned before. Uh, but the idea is that we have companies from all sorts of different sectors uh, all over the UK represented. Now, as a GRN member, you'll receive invites to these webinars, which are running on a monthly basis at the moment, uh, various social events when we can, uh, but you'll also have access to the forum on LinkedIn, uh, our blog, our surveys, and also a quarterly newsletter. For more, more information, you'll find this on graduaterecruitersnetwork.co.uk. Uh, there's also VIP membership uh, available, uh, more information on the website for that as well. So there's a quick overview for some of our new members uh, about the uh, GRN. Now, today's event. Uh, so We've almost got 200 bookings, which is absolutely brilliant. So delighted to have so many of you here today. Uh, a broad range of uh, people are here. So I did a quick uh, word cloud of all your job titles. And you can see here uh, the different range of, of people who are attending right now. 
So they're all involved with HR in some shape or form, uh, fairly senior management level. Um, that just gives you a flavour of some of the uh, members uh, that come along to our events. So you're in good company. Um, some of our uh, attendees today are IBM, uh, Bupa, NHS, Tesco, to name but a few. Um, and they're all from uh, all, all over the UK. So all corners of the UK are represented. So welcome to everyone. Now, our main speaker will talk for around 30 minutes. Uh, we'll then have a Q&A session for 10 minutes or so. Sometimes uh, these are shorter or longer, um, but usually around 10 minutes, just to give you an opportunity to, to ask the speaker any questions. Now, do use the uh, chat facility um, within GoToMeeting. I'll be monitoring that throughout. Uh, and also this will be recorded. Um, so I'll be uploading this to the GRN YouTube channel uh, later on today. Uh, towards the end, we'll cover off some other business uh, and then we'll aim to close uh, by about 1.30. Okay, so today's presenter, uh, you may know her, Jackie uh, Grisdale. She's the Youth Marketing Strategist at SMRS. Uh, some of you may be already be working with SMRS and we're delighted to have her uh, on the webinar today. So her bio uh, really explains her expertise uh, and how she's gonna deliver uh, some fascinating insights into recruiting uh, diverse graduates, which can be very, very challenging for a lot of organizations right now. So she's got over a decade of experience in youth marketing, a deep understanding of the future talent market and the challenges faced by employers uh, when it comes to apprentice, but also graduate recruitment. She has a wealth of knowledge and understanding about the youth audience, enabling her to develop strategies which effectively target, attract, and engage young people. Uh, she joined SMRS in early 2009, and she works with a number of national and global employers providing strategic insight and consultancy, using her skills and expertise in future talent attraction marketing. Uh, so generally, she helps and supports organizations with their strategic approach to emerging talent. So we're delighted to have her today. Now, I'm going to switch over to her PDF uh, presentation. Uh, we had a technical issue earlier, which meant she couldn't share it from her screen, but I'm gonna do this instead. So just bear with me one minute, please. There we are. You should all be able to see that. Now I'm just going to hand over to uh, Jackie. One second. You should be uh, there. You are. Hello. Hi. I'm here with with my Christmas decorations up as well. Lovely, lovely. Okay. Can you see your slides? They've disappeared from my screen at the minute. Right. Okay. One second. Hopefully, they will reappear back. Yes. There we are. Okay. There we go. There we go. It's a technical issue. Um, my computer said no, unfortunately. So um, we'll, we'll try and make it as seamless a handover 
um, and it, it changed between slides. Um, thankfully, there's there's not a ton of content on the slides. Um, they're more a, a prompt to, to guide us through the session. Um, so, so hopefully we'll make that transition as smooth as possible and I'll, I'll look to, to use the titles to, to help give Dan an, an indicator because um, he's steering for me. So um, thanks so much um, for having me here today. I'm really delighted to, to briefly sort of share some thoughts and insight around how to reach and engage um, diverse talent. Um, as Dan mentioned, um, my role at SMRS is focused on working with a wide range of clients um, across their future talent strategies, which increasingly has a focus on improving diversity. But before we go any further, I just wanted to give you a little bit of a brief introduction to SMRS. For those of you who don't know us, we're a marketing agency that specialises in employer, future talent and education recruitment marketing. We offer a range of services and, and they broadly span kind of three key areas. Um, so consultancy, um, attraction marketing, so end-to-end, that's -end, um, sort of a, a attraction of, of talent into your opportunities, and then uh, branding and, and creative as well. And, and we're really purpose-driven as a business. So our purpose is around changing organisations for the better. And a fundamental part of that strategy for, for sort of making that happen is ensuring that our clients have a workforce that has the diversity of thought, the diversity of skills, but also the diversity of talent in order to remain competitive in an ever-changing landscape. And when it comes to our work in the youth market, our purpose is all about changing futures for the better. Um, and it's something I'm really passionate about as well. So it's around ensuring fairness um, for young people, supporting young people to be able to make decisions about their future, whether that's going on into education or, or into sort of apprenticeship or graduate programmes, um, but also that they've got access to those opportunities. And that's regardless of their background or their demographics or their gender or ethnicity. And when it comes to equality, diversity and inclusion, it is a really broad area. Um, so bringing young talent into the business can be a key part of the strategy that we use to diversify our workforce. But when we're thinking and talking about reaching diverse talent and attracting them into our business for, and fulfilling our opportunities, we need to be mindful that these candidates are able to get through our process, that we give them an experience that supports them um, right through that journey and, and doesn't present barriers to them along the way. And once they finally made it and they're perhaps onboarding into the business, um, that our business welcomes them and, and their diversity of thought and their diversity of skills that they bring. And that, that it's a business that continues to nurture their potential so they can progress and reach senior positions if that's their aspirations um, and, and they, that's driving them that way because obviously everybody's aspirations are different. So we need to be joined up um, and not have a, a, a split personality from our attraction and our recruitment efforts to, to what somebody sees when they're in the business, because um, that will simply result in high um, attrition and, and that's costly. So obviously today I'm going to be focusing on reaching and engaging diverse groups. And by that, I'm going to primarily talk towards kind of gender, ethnicity and social mobility. Um, but much of what I'll discuss will equally apply across other underrepresented groups as well. 
So it needs a strategic approach. Um, I think we all agree when it comes to reaching and engaging talent um, with, you know, and certainly those diverse audience segments. And SMRS, our approach is broadly comprises of, of these four key areas. Um, we're data driven. So throughout all of our consultancy client work, we always look to the data first. Um, and anybody who's worked with me or knows me um, knows that that's true. Um, and it's largely what I'll, I'm talking about here within those first two stages, that audit and that adding context stage and broadly speaking the data and insight we draw upon falls into sort of three 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 main categories so that will be our internal insight market insight and, and and data and then also audience understanding as well so within those four key stages um, what you'd look be looking to do in that first stage that audit stage is is starting to gather all of that internal information that's going to be useful for you in understanding your current context and i'm, I'm going to dig into to detail a little in a little bit more detail in just a moment so it's about looking at your current position um, obviously depending on your particular areas of focus it could be anything from your attraction strategy and what you're doing there to attract um, so you're creating your messaging, your branding, your value proposition, or beyond that, sort of through the conversion, so taking that through the selection process, what's the journey, what's the experience, um, and then what's the, the employee satisfaction and retention and internal mobility once they're, they're in the business. What we then do, um, and what we recommend for you to do, is, is to add context so this is all about looking at the wider market um, to layer on that additional context to your internal view. So you've got all of your, your internal perspective. You've had a look at what you're doing and how you're doing it. Um, this is about kind of the bigger picture, really. And that's what's going to help inform your market opportunity. So identifying whether the challenge is around supply or demand, um, looking at how talent is distributed um, either geographically around the UK um, or internationally, or, and more importantly, where to look to target those individuals, um, but then also comparing how you um, perform versus your competitors or the broader sector and, and where you might need to, to change. Um, so it gives you some of that good benchmarking insight as well. And all of that, um, once you've got your internal and your market context, will be able to be brought together to develop your business case for change that will help you develop your strategic approach um, and inform how you're going to take positive action to make the changes that you need um, to shift the composition in your pipeline to the way that, that you need to be that attracting more BAME candidates more females more males for example so it could be around individual components of your attraction selection onboarding and ongoing employee engagement um, right the way through to some of the bigger strategic projects, um, sort of your broader talent strategy, culture, employer branding and so on. And then most importantly, it's about ongoing measurement. So we're obviously using data and insight to inform the audit stage and, and give us that underpinning context to what we're doing from an internal perspective. But it's also equally important once you're starting to take that action um, to track and report on as much as you can. So I'm a huge advocate of testing new approaches. Um, so by obviously keeping an eye on the pipeline and looking at how your interventions are unfolding, you can start to, to make judgments um, quite quickly and, and changing things in an agile way um, rather than just waiting until you get to the end of the season when it's too late and, and sort of simply saying oh actually my vein composition isn't isn't necessarily what I wanted it to be so what we'll do is, is take a look at your data first um, so 
huge range of different sources of insight and information that, that are going to feed into this audit stage. Um, a handful um, are here on the screen in front of you. There are many, many more. Essentially, when you think about the good old SWOT analysis, this is everything that's going to inform that kind of strengths and weaknesses part. Um, so using all of these sources, you can really start to paint a quite detailed picture of who you're attracting and from where currently um, because we we want to understand and it's vital to understand uh, right from that very outset who have you got in your pipeline so what does that composition look like and it's useful to look at the whole funnel so what does it look like at the top are you attracting enough and is that representative of the market that's out there that, that you're tapping into and that available talent pool um, but also looking at the other end too um, because as i mentioned um, it's really important that we're, we're ensuring that they're successful through the pipeline and when we're looking at that that kind of funnel information it's about thinking what institutions you're attracting from um, and i'll come on to, to targeting in a little bit more detail shortly um, but who's who's feeding your pipeline currently with regards to institutions and that can help you identify why you may be experiencing challenges in in attracting certain demographic groups it could just be the composition of those institutions that you're actually delivering activity at or, or that your activity is reaching what subjects as well so we will see as you look across subject demographic information you can see that each different subject area has a different sort of profile of types of students that would typically be studying those subjects so again if you're seeing strong feeders from some particular subject areas that might be um, an indicator of something that might need to change in terms of how you're reaching and where you're reaching students and um, to attract them to your opportunities think carefully about your media um, and, and how, how the different media that you're using to advertise your opportunities or reach different audiences might be influencing the types and demographics of students that, that you're, you're attracting. Think about your events that you're running. Are there any targeted to particular audience groups? And the partnerships that you have as well, could that be influencing the composition of your pipeline? Essentially, all of this insight will help you to understand how you're doing at the moment, what your current activity that you're delivering is resulting in um, from a composition and quality perspective. Um, so obviously, my kind of first thing is, is to highlight is make sure that you're tracking everything and that it's connecting together, particularly into your applicant tracking system so that you can start to see how those candidates are performing um, once they're in the pipeline as well because what we don't want to do is simply add more volume into the top of the funnel. So these three um, sort of either institutions or activities or media are, are driving more BAME candidates. Therefore, let's just upweight our activity there or, or put more budget behind that. It is about upweighting some of that, but actually at the same time, um, starting to consider the activity that you could also dial down to affect and, and have an impact on maybe the larger volumes of non-target candidates that, that you're attracting. Because we don't just want more, I think we're all suffering from a lot of applications already. What we want to do is think about a better composition um, and perhaps quality of candidate in our pipeline. So it's about that balancing act, looking at upweighting some of your activity that's helping you achieve those diversity goals but perhaps reducing the activity um, that isn't necessarily feeding through the types of candidates that you're you're interested in
And then really start to think about how you're scrutinizing all of your marketing activity. And that's your owned, earned, paid activity as well. All of those different touch points throughout the attraction and selection process. Um, so you can start to begin to understand how your different audience segments are engaging with you and how your messages are resonating with them. Um, so your digital activity um, will give you a really good steer of, of how things are landing in a real quick way for you as well. So obviously explore what the rest of your pipeline is looking like, how are your candidates progressing through to hire and, and how are they doing once they're in the business um, by making sure that you've got reporting tools that allow you to analyze the journey by different diversity metrics so you can understand how those different groupings are progressing. And one of our banking clients that we work with, we, we've set up a reporting suite that, that really does enable them to look really specifically at different countries, different Different diversity metrics and by multiple metrics because we know there's intersectionality too so they they are now able to take a much more informed approach about um, where they may need to, to hone in on and focus um, perhaps some interventions to support certain candidates as they transition through the pipeline and all of this data is great um, but we do need more depth um, so we need to layer on additional insight as well. So from an audience perspective, particularly, and I'll, I'll come to that shortly. Um, and by doing that, we can start to understand what may be happening. So our hesitances um, to candidates progressing through the process, are, you know, a confidence thing, or is it something about, you know, needing to look at your particular selection methods? Um, obviously, you can bring in performance and HR data, but that probably stretches beyond the realm of um, what we're covering today. But as I mentioned earlier, we do need to consider sort of how they get in, um, but how, how they get on once they're within the business. So in summary, when it comes to looking at your existing position and doing that audit, make sure you're collecting the data, be transparent in why you're collecting it. So RMP released um, some insight which said that nearly half of students that they surveyed didn't know why employers were asking for their diversity information. Um, there was quite a portion of them saying that actually employers were just, um, their perception was that employers were asking for it um, so to help them fill quotas. Um, and more worryingly, it was some of the candidates were saying that, that it was about them being able to identify who won't fit in um, and they saw that actually the proportion saying that was higher amongst those BAME candidates so just be open and honest about um, your sort of your activity around um, diversity and inclusion be open and honest about why you're collecting it and think about future proofing the way that you collect data as well make sure it's giving you clarity and it's connected across as many systems as possible because that will give you the richness of insight um, make sure everything's segmentable by the diversity segments you're currently interested in but but as i say future proof so think about what you might be interested in in the future and by doing all of that it will be more usable um, you'll be able to drill down into the data much more effectively um, and make sure that it's working to give you the insight you need um, and obviously by bringing that into tools and you know um, using techniques to help you visualize and analyze quickly um, and efficiently you can obviously then have confidence in in the outputs um, and the clarity and have clarity around what that data is saying for you um, so as i say it's all about a balance between volume and composition and using insight to identify where your current successes are, where you are actually being effective in, a, in attracting um, BAME talent, for instance, or, or those from lower socioeconomic backgrounds or females, if that's your challenge. So use it as a guide of where you need to focus. And, and don't forget, each segment will be different.
different. So do think about the impacts of, of dialing some activity down will have on other um, diversity groups as well. Um, so it is a bit of a balancing act with that. So we've covered your internal um, sources of insight. Let's add a bit of additional context because um, we've got a bit of, of insight from our internal view. Um, so what we need to do is just lift our gaze a little bit and understand what on earth's going on on the outside of our organisation. Um, so there's a ton of sources of information out there um, external to your organisation. And this is the information that I think is really key um, in building your strategies because essentially it's going to inform you where your gaps are. So it will help you to understand the actual availability of talent in the marketplace so you can set your realistic benchmarks and KPIs. It'll inform you where to target your efforts and add further context about your audience as well. So it can help you really understand where, you, where you're benchmarking against competitors and most importantly it can give you ideas. So when it comes to higher education data, um, there's lots of sources out there. Um, Kisa's a biggie um, that many of us may or may not be using already. Um, you can also bring in things like QS World University rankings, um, graduate outcomes and destination information. And bringing those different data sources together um, can begin to help paint a picture of, of the demographic composition of, of the higher education landscape. So you'll be able to drill down into particular universities, particular degree programs and you can get quite granular and understand the proportion of perhaps females, BAME candidates, black candidates that are studying the particular degree programs that you're targeting currently with your activity or the universities that you're targeting. So Dan's just scrolled on to, to some snapshots that I've taken of our, our YWARE tool, um, which really starts, as you can see, in the first um, two charts on the screen there, um, that will start to show you sort of market trends around enrolments into particular degree programs. So you can start to see um, where there might be uplifts in perhaps females or BAME candidates studying particular programmes or subject areas. Um, one of the um, bottom left hand um, screenshot that we've got there is, is looking at demographics. Um, so you can start to see, OK, what's the available talent pool when it comes to people studying computer sciences, I think is the example on that particular screenshot. So what's the total available talent pool? And then if I want to think about females or BAME candidates in particular, what's that representation? And this is really handy for helping you when it comes to benchmarking activity, because if you're attracting, if you're focused is on attracting tech talent or computer science talent um, and you might have um, aspirational goals of a 50-50 gender balance that's actually going to be really tough when only 17% of all students studying computer sciences are female but what we can do by analysing what universities they're at um, and the volumes are there we can start to pinpoint which four or five universities you might want to focus your efforts in on, or if it's about increasing BAME and female candidates, which, which mix of universities is going to give you best access. You'll also see from this, obviously, around where you might need to be doing earlier interventions, because you know potentially this is a supply issue in the case of computer sciences. Where do you want to go in terms of schools and colleges to start to influence those students to study programmes like computer sciences at university? So it's a much more sort of longer term strategy because those perceptions around particular career areas do form really, really early. 
Um, when it comes to media, um, sort of who who are you not using? What research are they also um, putting out there? We, we're all releasing our own sort of sets of insights. So I've already mentioned um, RMP, Bright Network also release information and survey their their kind of um, the graduates enrolled on in and subscribe to them. Um, so is there any additional context that we can get from them? Um, also think about data that's out there around the formats and channels that your particular audiences are using. There's a wealth of insight about what young people use. So we know video is king, we know social is huge, Audios perhaps underutilized specific, you know, particularly when we've got such a busy virtual landscape. But think about those formats that are going to resonate. So we've done some research recently, and, and it looked at, at sort of where um, young people, you know, what sort of resources young people were using. We we um, segmented the results by the different demographic audiences, and we saw that actually those of Black heritage were much more likely to be engaging with your video content that, that were that were from employees of the business talking about how um, their experiences and how they got on and got into the organization so just think about what's going to resonate with those particular audience segments obviously there's a ton of information from third parties and partners particularly those specialist groups um, competitors and industry bodies so just really look at the market look at what's going on how you compare um, but also what opportunities have, have you you not lifted your gaze to what might you be missing out on um, so take that real objective view the next phase is listening to your audience um, and if yeah we'll skip past the why where one um, and you know from my perspective I think young people are often treated as, as one big homogenous cohort so Jet and Z it's a broad categorization and doesn't really acknowledge any differences in different segments of the audience and it, you know for me it's not a smart approach so when we know that a key aspect of encouraging diversity is around embracing different perspectives, skills and qualities, you know, we're, we need to recognise the differences in our audience groups too. So some employers will differentiate between apprentice and graduate audiences, but I, I think there's an opportunity to go much further and better understand all of our different audience segments and their similarities and differences, their behaviours, their motivators, their drivers, and then use that insight to target and connect with them and attract them for our opportunities. So, so many assumptions are made about young people and, and by using insight we can start to, to, get, to take a much more informed approach. So if we took an example that maybe from an, uh, our internal audit we started to see that Black Heritage candidates weren't progressing past the first online test for example. We might assume it's just because there's a nervousness about that stage. We know perhaps there's uh, lower confidence levels there. We think that maybe just popping some hints and tips on our website is going to help. But what really listening to the audience do and actually asking them is help you to test your hypothesis and better still, it will help you to understand what the real issue is. So why they're hesitant or nervous and what support would really benefit them. So is the hints and tips going to be enough or actually would they much prefer a bit of a live chat with a recruiter or, or a text chat? Um, is it that tech issues are a barrier and we know with you know the situation where we've all shifted virtually um, that there are challenges 
represented to, to certain segments of, of those um, who are from underrepresented groups about access to, to technology and, and the stable enough Wi-Fi or internet connection to, to conduct video type activity? Um, or is it just that they've got less access to practice tests or mock, mock activity through their educational history? So it will help us pinpoint what exactly is going on and understand and help you to understand that context. Um, it will help you understand what's important to them, their challenges, their barriers, who their influences are and, and, and how much influence um, they have and what their aspirations might be for the future. And it'll all be based on insight, not assumption. Um, and what we can start to do is, is group behavioural commonalities in our audience segments rather than basing it all on demographics. Um, and by grouping that on behaviours, um, we can start to shape attraction and engagement activity that's going to be much more effective um, and inclusive um, by enabling you to engage with them more meaningfully based on those drivers and motivators rather than just what gender or ethnicity they are. So we know through various research, we've conducted our own. Um, I can share a copy if you want. I can talk on a, for hours on that on a separate occasion. Um, but we, we know that, that obviously each different audience segment is going to have a different driver and a different priority or a different interest area. Um, so we saw in our recent survey, and I've seen it across others, um, racism is a huge concern amongst young people, but actually um, nearly twice as important to those of black heritage um, and of, to female students students also. Um, so you might want to start thinking about when informing your creative and, and your messaging um, with some of that insight to ensure that you're talking about what you're doing um, with regards to DNI, that you're showcasing that you're an inclusive um, and in supportive employer. We also found through our research that Black Heritage respondents um, also indicated a much earlier start in their career planning, as did females. Um, so back to my point earlier, don't underestimate how important that early intervention is when it comes to shifting perceptions, um, particularly with those underrepresented groups. That, can, that sort of insight can really help you understand what types of intervention you need. Is it something that's going to cut through, be really creative, really high impact, grab their attention? or is it going to be something that needs to really start to shift their perception? So getting that audience insight is really important to helping you inform what approach you take with your creative and messaging strategies. Um, we know things like making a difference and giving back are important, um, but it's much more important for females. For males, it's more about having a good social life and, and responsibility from day one. Um, but then also some of the other differences we saw in our particular um, research that we've conducted is that starting salary and organisational culture was a much higher preference um, and of much more importance amongst Black Heritage students. Whereas a sense of community, um, the business performance and reputation of an organisation was higher for those Asian students. Um, quality training and development was more important for females, for example. So all of that audience insight can, can help feed your, your creative and your messaging, understand how you're pitching that, um, but also it can inform where you're reaching your diverse audiences too. So our media um, analysis um, 
informed a little bit of that. Our market review helped a little bit with that, but also ask the audience what they want. Um, talk to them. Um, consider engaging with them outside of their typical school and university timetable. Extend your reach into different talent pools. So look at those cold spots. I mean, we've got a nice opportunity with, with a virtual engagement to, to really reach outside that kind of traditional geographical sphere um, and, and to tap into different talent pools by using technology and um, just really rethinking how you go to market. Um, your internal networks can help inform that too. So don't forget about them. You'll have your new graduate joiners. Um, so talk to them. Um, talk to them about kind of what sponsorships they, they think you might want to consider, what relevant groups or, or activities you might want to engage with. Um, so use them to, to learn from. So use your internal groups as well as look into the outside and those diverse groups that, that you're looking to attract because essentially we can't stand on campus with a coffee cart this year so you need to really think about how you're going to cut through um, with your audiences where they where they actually are um, so I encourage you to think a little bit beyond um, the traditional methodology and get a little bit creative and before I go on, just want a brief word on influencers. Um, so particularly for those underrepresented groups. So parents and family are super important, but universally in a recent survey we did, mums are the biggest influence. Um, but what we also did is a bit of parent research to understand um, their confidence in, in supporting their child. Um, and we saw differences amongst different ethnic groups, for instance, around how confident they felt, but then from the young person's perspective, how helpful they felt found that family member as well. There could be you know, some disconnects there as well. So really important to understand that bigger influencer sphere as well. Um, schools, colleges, universities, teachers, they're all really influential. But also think about the role models um, and, and the likelihood that, that the young people you're trying to attract from different audience segments, um, their access to those kind of role models or, or existing networks into to the sector that you're, you're particularly kind of concerned with. Um, maybe you want, might want to supplement um, your attraction activity with access to mentors, et cetera, or buddies to support them through that process, or just showcase your people um, a little bit further to help tell the stories and, and gain that connection with them. Um, use people within your business as ambassadors as well as social media influencers as well. They have hyper um, hyper connected sort of sort of follower groups um, and they can be a good way to extend your reach amongst groups that you wouldn't normally tap into. So consider if there's, you know, carefully, um, carefully crafted kind of social media influencers campaign um, campaigns, whether they might actually be an opportunity for you to to cut through and extend reach. And then by bringing all of that together, um, you've got your your business case. You you've built your you've got all of the insight that you need to build your strategy for success. So how are you going to do it? Um, so these are really my key takeaways from from the session. So make sure you're obviously understanding your own context, where you are now, what you're doing well, what can you, what you're doing already that you cannot wait, and where can you improve? So what's the data actually telling you about what you're doing? Is it an attraction issue or is it conversion? Um, what's the business telling you about the types of talent you need to attract and, and what's your longer term strategy and how how's that going to actually impact on on you achieving your your kind of diversity goals? Um, are there longer term supply strategies that, that you're going to need as well as these short term sort of um, attraction intervention 
tactics. Um, be really clear on your, your audience and who you're targeting and understand all of those different segments of your audience by having that clarity around your priority segments you can start to, to focus on, on um, bringing together your additional support and your market insights um, to give you the evidence to feed into those targeting strategies. Um, so take the opportunity to consider your audience along with the talent needs, perhaps take the opportunity to revisit any sort of minimum criteria you're specifying um, or technical um, perspectives in your job description. So perhaps just think about what barriers you might be putting up, you know, up front We've all heard the analogy around um, females wanting to tick off 100% of the job description before applying. The same goes for different other underrepresented groups as well. So just thinking about what you're listing as de desirable and essential uh, and making sure that they are actually needed to be detailed on there could just help remove some of those barriers and make your opportunities a little more appealing. Obviously, better understand your target audience. It, your audit phase will help steer you in terms of what you need to focus on and what additional insight you might need. I'd recommend a mix of quantitative and qualitative research techniques. Um, it can be current candidates, current graduate trainees, your diversity, your existing diversity networks. But obviously, if you're looking to attract different diverse audiences, make sure you're taking that external view and, and really dig into the motivators, the drivers, their attitudes, influences, challenges, channel use, comms preferences, all of that good stuff. And um, whilst we're all individuals what we can start to do is look at commonalities and, and cluster them um, and as i said rather than do it just on based on demographic what we want to be doing it on is is common behaviors and interests um, so that we then um, are able to to develop personas um, if you want to um, which, which would help guide your your communications and and connect with people based on those Obviously, you know where to find them. So you've got your internal data, you know what's working. Um, but through all of your insight that you gather, you can hone your attraction strategy. So really use that HESA data, government data around schools and colleges, feeding those pipelines to understand the propensity of people to, to of, of different demographics to either go into higher education or onto apprenticeships if you're interested in, in that as well. Um, you can start to understand from your current target list have they got the composition that you need or actually do you need to look outside of your typical target list and actually use this market information to give you the confidence to go back to the business and say actually we're targeting the wrong types of universities here and um, you can start to refine um, your list of universities and perhaps look at where you need to dial up and dial down um, from a channel perspective again use that market insight to feed into that Think about the partnerships and sponsorships, et cetera, that you could be looking at. Um, are you reaching the audiences you're looking to attract or, or where do you need to refocus? Um, and then bringing together all of that insight, you can start to shape that content and creative in an appropriate way to align with your strategic approach. If it's about not attracting enough of a particular target audience to the top of the funnel, your content and creative strategy might be needing to be more around grabbing attention and making an impact and, and challenge, you know, and sort of getting grabbing attention that way to get them into the top of the funnel. 
or it could be more around challenging perceptions and, and sparking an interest or you know if it's a conversion piece it might be that you need to focus more on your messaging and content in a more persuasive way so digging deeper to connect with target audiences values and drivers um, sort of showing them rather than telling them um, which brings me to my next point. So journey is key. As I've said before, no point in bringing them in if we're not going to help them belong. So use everything, um, all of your insights, paint a picture of your experience and make sure that journey's right for them um, and help them to belong once they're with you as well. Um, and that extends right through onboarding um, into the business. And then finally, um, making a measurable difference. Um, Dan preempting me there. Um, track and measure everything. Um, test out approaches. Be brave, be bold, um, and adjust and change. Um, so get all of your reporting sorted. Make sure it's all connected across your media and into your applicant tracking system, that it's bringing in that performance data around how they're performing in your tests, etc. Um, it's all about making shifts, and you're not going to be able to solve everything in, in the first year. Um, so, so make sure that, that you're making those adjustments um, as, as you unravel your, your strategy. Um, I've got a couple of slides, but just mindful, because um, I can talk about this all day, um, that I'm probably running out of time a little bit here. Um, but it was just a, a really brief um, showcase of, of the work that we did with Unlock. So I'll talk about it really, really briefly. We've got a full case study if you want to, to read, uh, sort of read through the detail. But this is where we did very much apply this strategic approach in helping Unlock to address it. So those of you who don't know Unlock, um, basically recruit people into the the prison service um it's a less than conventional career choice a bit difficult to to kind of turn heads and, and what they found is they were attracting a lot of the the same types of candidates so high proportion of females high proportion of those from those kind of social science type um backgrounds um if you want to click onto the next slide um so what we did um is actually obviously really get to to understand them um and, and and really understand kind of who they were what they believed in what they wanted to achieve um and what we what we learned through that is that we were actually going to need to take some risks if we wanted to cut through and, and ultimately unlocked to competing in a, in a really competitive landscape amongst big high paying um, graduate recruiters um so it's very mission driven um and obviously they're committed to diversity so we had that in mind um, they wanted to attract more men and more BAME candidates because they weren't seeing enough of those in, in the pipeline. So what we did um, is move, um, as we move on, um, is look to the audience. So we understood, we, we took their kind of target profile and understood um, what universities, what channels, um, what media um, they were using, what their preferences were, and where we were best able to find those candidates. We then, if you click on down, um, we then did a bit of a, an audience profiling piece. So we, we, we did that audience insight, bring it, looking to get a bit of an understanding on, on kind of whether they would have considered the profession before. Um, we, we, got to, um, we got to understanding that we really would need to fight for their attention, that there's actually um, reassurance that they need about the demands of the roles, um, that address the, the barriers that influencers pose. Um, but the opportunity to make a difference would really resonate. So we took all of that forward into the creative development. We click on to the next slide. Um, 
and what we did understand is actually those influencers were having a real real impact and and so we we actually decided to address that head on um, and, and address that kind of influencer perspective. So from a parent, grandparents, friends, potential partners perspective. Um, so we fed all of that into the creative development. Um, if you click on, um, and we developed a hero video, um, which, which played out some of those scenarios. So any of you who haven't seen the video, um, you are really from that candidate's perspective, um, and they're telling um, their different influencer groups and their, their different stakeholders and that they're interested in a career um, in the prison service. And you start to see everybody's reactions. And, and we pushed it to the verge of nearly swearing in there as well, um, but actually it made a real impact. We delivered the video campaign out digitally, um, targeted in all the places that, that we knew we would find them, across social media as well. Um, it was across, um, we looked at the different audiences for some of the different channels, so Vice, etc. Um, and, and that was also supported with a radio campaign um, as well, and actually achieved some really impressive results. So I think it's the, the next slide. Um, we got a reaction, most importantly, some huge numbers on there. Um, but we got a 36% increase in applications from males, 26% increase in applications from BAME candidates. So in terms of improving that diversity of the pipeline, we knew we had to cut through. We delivered a creative, impactful campaign um, and it was able to achieve those results. And um, we're now rolling out to, to a second phase this year to take them up further along um, that particular journey. So that's a whistle stop tour. It's been a huge amount to talk about um, in a relatively short space of time. And I, I appreciate I've thrown a lot at you there, um, but I'm hoping that's given you some thoughts um, and, and triggered um, some areas that you might want to think about as you move forward. Um, I am, of course, more than happy um, to take any questions either now um, or there's my contact details. If you wanted to get in touch with me um, to, to explore any of what I've talked about um, in any more detail, um, then please do get in touch. Lovely. On behalf of all of our members, thank you so much, Jackie. You've managed to squeeze so much in there uh, in half an hour. You're bang on time. Um, and you tantalised us there with a case study, which is really interesting. Um, and the slides will be available for anyone uh, wishing to follow up with Jackie. Um, so thank you very much. Uh, thank you, everyone, for your precious time today. Uh, we do have 10 minutes for uh, any other questions. I'm just going to bring up um, the slideshow one more, one more time. One second. Okay. Yeah. Jackie will make herself uh, available on the GRN LinkedIn forum. Uh, later for any post-webinar deba debate, any questions you may have, I'm sure she'd be delighted to uh, assist you over the next uh, couple of days, if that's at all possible. Um, lots of feedback coming in um, from our members. They've really enjoyed um, the presentation. Lots of um, ideas have been generated. Um, I've got quite a few questions here. I'd quite like to, to start. I think. Um, Judging from some of the conversations I had with some of the members in the lead up to this uh, webinar, Jackie, some of them were asking about benchmarking. So 
you know, we've mm. got a, a company that are in the retail space. So how would they go about benchmarking with another retail firm, for instance? It, it can be really difficult um, when looking at your different competitors um, because obviously there's a, a certain amount of information that, that's made publicly available um, and, and some obviously which is business sensitive that, that's not, not so um, publicly available as well. Personally, when we look to benchmark, what we will look to do is scan um, from an external research perspective, understand what labour market information is out there, um, just more generally. Um, so we do pull some of that into, into the tool that we use, um, just to really get an understanding of volumes and, and how the composition of, of different demographics, sort of, you know, in different um, volumes you know of um the workforce that are, are working in particular areas are so we'll bring some of that insight information in um obviously we'll just look at publicly released information um that competitors and, and others in the sector and that can be direct competitors or, or those that are a little bit wider um so we'll look at that sort of information you can also look at sort of you know get an idea for the volumes that they're, they're recruiting as well and and from your own perspective have a look at, at kind of the types of messaging etc that they're using so you can benchmark sort of what you're saying against their, them as well um, but then use that that sort of educational data and insight to to understand sort of typically the the sort of types of degree programs and institutions that, that you attract from um, and and then really look at okay what's the what's the composition of, of those particular degree programs and and am I being realistic um, in terms of what we're looking to achieve but also how are we tracking against that so um for example i think it's eight percent of of the undergraduate population are black heritage for example if you're seeing eight percent into the top of your funnel um and, and that you're attracting then you're 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 sort of attracting a proportionately representative um sort of amount um you know people are now um publishing things like gender and ethnicity sort of and diversity statistics on on their corporate sites and corporate pages so you can come across that information um for those um involved in in kind of recruiting tech and stem type graduates um, there's an awful lot of sort of sector data um that's released there as well um and then there's other organizations that, that will have forums and groups where that sort of insight is also shared um, you can also benchmark from a branding perspective as well. So you can start to look at your audience and um, ask them questions around their thoughts and perspectives around your sector, but also you as an employer um, in comparison with other um, employers that, that are recruiting perhaps in your example into to those retail um, opportunities as well to understand if there's any differences amongst those diverse groups and those diverse segments of your audience. Um, so are black heritage candidates for example um, perceiving your particular organization in a different way um, than perhaps they might perceive um, another retailer for example excellent so the information's out there it sounds quite straightforward so you know yeah. an employer can get a starting point by accessing this information for instance yeah absolutely um, yeah 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 thank you um not so much a question but a couple of members were concurring with what you were saying about developing personas. I mean, it's a well-known marketing uh, approach to understand your audience and build a persona in order to target them. But specifically for this exercise to reach diverse graduates, because obviously by its, its nature, 
um, people are, display so many different characteristics to try and nail down, I mean, personas is really, really essential. So we had several members kind of agreeing with you throughout this uh, presentation, just to reinforce uh, that point, not to overlook that, because you can, that kind of determines how you, you know, go out to market, right? Absolutely, and and um, we see a lot of personas done really badly. Um, and every you know, lots of clients we we work with, you, you'll say, oh, we'll develop personas for you, and they're like, yeah, we've got that. Um, so we're not necessarily in the business of of you know, this is Jane, and and you know, Jane is a, a girl, and etc. What what we do is through the different quantitative and qualitative um, sort of surveying approaches is, is build it based on on kind of the data and insight. And, and what we will do is ask kind of a series of, of sort of killer questions um, so that we can then begin to build clusters um, based on how they respond with regards to drivers and motivators so that we can we can develop those groups. So they might be people who are more aspirational. They might be the people who are more interested in um, making a difference, etc. Um, so our our personas are built in a, in a slightly more sort of scientific way um, than they are perhaps just a fictional character um, that, that's not necessarily based on, on those kind of insights. So, and what we do is ask golden questions. Um, and then if you're really smart, you, you can have a way of identifying um, those candidates based on, on asking a golden question when they come to your website so that you can then start to shape the content that's, that's served to them. So we do an awful lot of this with our university clients um, and city university we work with on this so they were they had a whole internet internally around the the kind of different messages that they would use with different segments of, of their particular audience and their particular personas um, so it can be done badly um, but if you take a more data-driven approach um, you can build quite solid data-driven personas that can really help you you sort of connect through the messaging and the content that you're serving with your audiences start with the data and build that foundation uh, moving forward, that's really, really useful um, and, and often overlooked and people take shortcuts, but so, so important. Um, another question around how you communicate, you know, what, what medium is the most effective? We had one member who said they found 95% of international students were actually um, using a mobile because they didn't have access to a laptop, for instance. So, you know, uh, the, there's some insights there you touched on about, you know, the medium is, is very, very important. Um, is there one particular medium for, for certain audiences that work well, better than others, or? Um, sadly not. Um, and the, the research that I was referring to, um, so it's a working uh, with for future talent um, report that I released earlier on in the year, so I'm happy to share a, a copy. Um, we, we looked at this and we, were, we looked at, at the use of video between sort of males and females and different um, demographics, also different social channels. Um, what we did see was certainly for younger audiences, it, there was a much higher preference um, of use around kind of video content um, and, and more more use there than perhaps some of the older audiences were, were preferring perhaps um, more static content. One thing that was resounding is, is be where they expect you to be. Um, don't necessarily intrude on those spaces that, that they don't expect to see you on. So if it's important information, they want that on email. They don't necessarily want you communicating any of that important information in, in their kind of social spaces. Yes, it's a 
it's a great way of kind of raising awareness and, and attracting but really use that multi-channel approach um, you will see some nuances as I mentioned before that sort of um, use um, the preference among certain audience segments in in using kind of videoed people stories and it, it can be you know very much blog style um, doesn't have to be a polished kind of Q&A highly produced corporate video um, these guys are, are used to generating their own content and putting that out on social um, so really thinking about kind of using your people to tell your brand story um, to the people that you're looking you're looking to attract. And we saw certain underrepresented groups really connected with that more than others. Um, but for me, it's very much a multi-channel approach. I think you know video and digital has its place. I'm still a great advocate of seeing um, people face to face and being able to have that conversation. If it is digital, the biggest resounding kind of feedback we've had is make sure that it's personal um, and that's where things like your personas and segmenting etc can come in is that you can really start to talk to them and serve them relevant content that's useful for them um, around their interests and um, how they're using their degree subjects they they don't want to feel um, as though it's just necessarily a mass communication they want to keep that kind of personalized approach as well so it is multi-channel and and selecting the right kind of formats and, and channels um, for each stage of the process so it might be mass at the beginning where you're doing more of that broad awareness raising um, but then really doing that sort of high touch engagement much more personalized as, as you get people further down the funnel perfect good advice Jackie thank you one final question then we'll let you go uh, another <laughs> member said you know we want to make uh, a difference I mean one of the things you said there was was making a measurable difference which is a, a lovely uh, catchphrase you used in your presentation she was referring to um, how they have internal challenges. So, you know, for instance, the board doesn't represent a diverse background. So, you know, if they put out these marketing messages and then people join the company, it's, it feels a bit disingenuous. So the intention's there. How, how can you kind of overcome that? And it's it's really difficult when you don't have people within the business. Um, personally, I you know, certainly the feedback we've had and, and from other research and work that we've done in this area it, it's around being authentic and not having a disconnect so there's part of that business case to get people on board um, we do see organizations being tokenistic um, so they'll do a bunch of activity in in black history month for example and, and then you never hear them talking about it again um, so it's about kind of being consistent and authentic and making sure that you've got that buy-in from those senior stakeholders and they are actually on board it's not just a oh well we need to meet a particular percentage um, and you know don't necessarily always dress it up in rose tinted glasses um, there was an analogy that, that uh, one of our clients spoke to us about who said you know they had somebody who said they were quite happy to go and represent the organization and I think it was somebody of black heritage they said I'm more than happy to go out there and, and be a spokesperson for you um, and engage with young people but if you want me to say it's all wonderful and it's all sorted then then I won't do that for you but if you want me to talk about what it's really like and the challenges and how to navigate them the, then absolutely I will do so for me honesty is the best policy um, so be open that you're looking to make a difference but you it has to be authentic so you do have to get that buy-in um, from the business and make sure that, that they're supportive of that and there is that real drive um, to make a difference. Yeah, you've got to make a start. So being honest and saying, you know, we're working towards, you know, a certain goal, I think is entirely reasonable and graduates will expect, um, you know, employers that uh, are, 
uh, are, are driving this forward that you know they need to make a start so uh, some good advice there again Jackie thank you very very much um, just to uh, finish off quickly uh, as I said this has been recorded uh, I'll be uploading it to the GRN YouTube channel uh, probably tomorrow um, so do check back on there the slides will be available um, Jackie has kindly emailed me the PDF slides which we use today so I can send those on to you should you need them um, and also uh, GRB ourselves have worked on various diversity uh, projects, uh, some of them award-winning, for instance, with Capgemini a few years ago. Uh, there's more information on our website if you're looking to uh, start a diversity, equality, or an inclusion um, approach to graduate recruitment. That's all on our website there. Uh, next webinar will be on Wednesday, the 6th of January. Uh, save the date. Um, we have a speaker who's just about to confirm uh, the subject matter for that. So Wednesday, the 6th of January. Again, this lunchtime slot seems to uh, work well for members, 12.30 till uh, 1.30. Uh, and finally, just to mention our sister project, which started in August, um, graduatementor.uk. Uh, this is a one-to-one -one career mentoring platform for university graduates, particularly aimed at those who are from disadvantaged or underrepresented groups. Uh, we have 100 mentors on there. Some of them are uh, GRN members who kindly volunteered their time. And we have thousands of uh, graduates uh, using this platform, booking sessions with our mentors. So uh, if you're looking to get involved uh, as a mentor, you have some spare time as a volunteer, perhaps, I would love to uh, have you on the platform. OK, we're out of time. Thank you, everyone, for coming along today and giving up your precious time. Thank you once again to Jackie for a very insightful, very informative uh, presentation in a very short space of time. It's a huge subject of extreme importance to a lot of recruiters right now. Um, so if you do wish to follow up with Jackie, uh, do so on the LinkedIn forum. Uh, thank you very much. Goodbye. <laughs>